to Night of the Time, All the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who and Torchwood and the Sarah Jane Adventures. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the literary Matt. Hello there. Well, Matt, uh, it's uh, it's another bonus episode today, another listener yeah. pick. Um, and it's one that uh, I think it's fair to say that both of us have been slightly dreading. Yeah, I think there's a reason we've left this one. And this is no aspersion on the wonderful listener who uh, nominated it for us. It's just, we're we're, we're a bit outside of our comfort zone this week, aren't we, Matt? Um, Yeah, yeah, that's putting it nicely. Yeah. Um, So, uh, basically... um, it was uh, Alyssa Ariel who who suggested for us. Uh, uh, her original pick was was a Sarah Jane story, but of course we are covering all of Sarah Jane in the fullness of time. So we we asked if, her if there was anything else she'd like us to cover, and she said, "Well, what about fanfic?" Yeah. Um. So yeah, it, it's fair to say, Matt, you're you're not a regular consumer of fan fiction. Um, I I don't think there's any art form I consider myself above more than fanfic <laughs> and that that's a massive compliment calling it an art form I think yeah. it's the absolute dregs of the fandom if I'm honest mm. yeah bearing in mind of course Ariel it does herself write fanfic I know and you did send me a message today saying <laughs> please be nice but well, I don't know if I can David we'll just <laughs> No. Yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, you're you're nothing if not brutally honest, Matt. Um, f- for what it's worth, my relationship with fanfic is um, it's kind of similar to the one I have towards uh, consuming the meat of animals. If I'm being honest, where it's like, I see why some people like it. But it's not for me, you know. Uh, on that topic um, today, David, I bought some meat-free burgers, yeah. thinking they'd be as good as meat-free bacon, and they were awful. Uh, what brand did you go with? Um, it's the one called Naked, or something like that. Uh, there is, yeah. Their sausages are good. I've not tried their burgers. Uh, I got their like they were special jalapeno spicy burgers. No, no. Uh. No, they're, they're bog standard sausages, for my money, are actually the best veggie sausage on the market at the moment. Right. You know, pays me to say it because cause local boys, heck, they do a good one as well. They're, they're but, one that's uh, pea they can take the top it's spot absolutely lovely. I love a heck pea sausage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you think we can drag out veggie sausages for another hour so people forget <laughs> we're meant to be doing family? <laughs> I mean,. I could easily, but I think we'd better we'd better kind of get stuck into it. So so yeah. So as I was saying, from my perspective, I get why people write it and I get why people read it. But for me personally, it's not it's not what I want to be writing or reading. Really, um, I've occasionally I've had occasional flashes where I thought, oh, you know what, that's a good idea for a Doctor Who thing. Maybe I could write some Doctor Who fanfic. But then I'm quickly like. Nah, I, there's there's other things I'd rather be be uh, putting my creative energy do, into. Do you know what? Um, for for a joke today, like a, I thought I would write yeah. a little sketch where it's like me and you meeting Tom Baker, and it'd be brilliant, and you two would get on, and I'd be like third wheeling. And then I thought yeah. actually that'd probably shoot to number one on all the fanfic sites. So no, thank you. <laughs> it'd probably be like renowned as a great well, piece of literature in those circles. I'll be I'll be honest I'll be honest about I'll talk to you in a, a bit a little bit later in more detail about my experiences with uh with fanfic.net and 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 what tends to rise to the top there and let me tell you <laughs> I, I I I if it doesn't feature if it doesn't feature to the 10th doctor and rose it's not making it past <laughs> page 52 <laughs> oh wow wow <laughs> well um should, but, uh, <laughs> should we really big quiz it Oh yeah, let's get let's get that over. Yeah, we, with. we we might as well have some fun whilst we're here. Right, <laughs> David, I've got great news. Yes, the sandwich and what is continues that continues to grow. 
<laughs> oh god. Because this okay. week I, I put out a bit of a bit of a message saying, look, we're really close to raising five hundred pounds. Um, whoever yeah. gives us the donation, I think I did this last year. In fact, I think this is how like I think this might be how Sonia got in the Mighty McLean Hall of Fame. I was like, whoever donates mm-hmm. the five hundred pound donation, I'll stick you in the Hall of Fame. And David, it's happened. Yeah. So. Oh, fantastic! We've only got one ingredient going in. For some reason, just giving mm-hmm. isn't loading. Here we go. So our current total, David, stands at five hundred and seventeen pounds. Amazing. Because we had. And uh, who's our, who's our new? So, well, we had a donation of 100, I believe, Australian dollary dues. Uh-huh. So I'd like to welcome into the Marty McLean Hall of Fame, Mr. Marty McLean himself. Marty, Marty, Marty. Marty, 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 Marty. All those uh, times we've joked about how he's not in the Hall of Fame, and Marty was the one. I knew he would. He's so beautiful and pure of heart, David. Ah, uh, good news. Uh, good uh, news. Thank you ever so much, Marty, for your uh, donation. I'd rather have one donation. No, I shouldn't say that. I was going to say I'd rather have one donation from Marty than all the others, but actually, we're raising money for a good cause. We want all the donations <laughs> we can get. Yeah. Yeah, that's really not how this works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, all right then. Do you want to pick a number, Ooh, Matt? Let me just get my notepad so I know which ones we've picked. Um, yeah, I've got I've got my little spreadsheet ready to go. Uh, let me see. I'm going to pick number two, David. Oh, Matt. You want to pick a different number for Can me? you please tell me, David? I've got my pen here. I'm just going to make a note. Number two yep. is... Yeah. Oh. Number two is the ripest, ooziest camembert I could lay my hands oh. on. Oh. Of course, that'll go really well with Nutella and hot sauce. Oh, won't it just? Oh. That'll be good. Just make a note of that. <laughs> Are you going to take the rind off it? Um, I, I feel like I shouldn't yeah, really. You don't want like just hot, if we if we're gonna you know oozy salty snot in the middle of the sandwich. <laughs> oh jeez, yeah, that's thanks for that, Matt. <laughs> And any any last vestiges of hope I had of enjoying a single bite of that sandwich have just gone. I don't know, like fully you might have to do it like an old-fashioned Cornish pasty. Put all the savoury at one end and sweet at the other. (laughs) (laughs) That would work. I don't feel like that's fully in the spirit of things, but sure. I'm excited now. Oh dear. I mean, you wrote that list (laughs) yourself. Well, you're gonna. I, I I did, I did. I knew what I was getting myself into. But right. uh, I, I want a yeah. minimum of three more ingredients. If we get three more ingredients, that means we beat last year's total for Wheelie Big Quiz. Well, there we go, listeners. That That's the gauntlet thrown down well and truly, isn't it? Mm. Um, right, well, th- thanks, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for that. Um, right then. Uh... Have you got any questions for me this week, Matt? Um, we do. Do you want some from James Courtney or James Swifty Swift? Or in oh. fact, you can have some from Sonia as well. We've got three listeners worth of questions <laughs> still to go. Awesome. Let's have old Swifty this week, eh? Oh, James Swifty Swift. Okay. Yeah. So, actually, David, 
Um, you need to cast your mind back to last year's Wheelie Big Quiz. Because when... Mind duly casted. When we had questions from James Swift, it was a combined mm -hmm. effort with James Courtney and all the answers contained uh -huh. the name James. Now, yes. I'm not saying that is what's happening this year, but... There is a pattern <laughs> right. in the responses. I want you to see if you can solve. Okie dokie. Okay. So, there's no particular question topics this week. But I think once you've spotted this, you'll, you'll be fine. Okay. Okie dokie. So, David. Question one. According to Doctor Who lore, what was the name of the first woman to walk on the moon? Oh. Oh. I'm trying to think. Oh, it's not. Oh. What's her name? The kid that they bring along on... on um, is it Courtney? Have I made that up? I'll give you that, David. It's Courtney Woods. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's it. There we go. Yeah, I couldn't remember the surname. Right. Question two, David. According to the Jadoon, justice is what... Uh, oh gosh, I don't know. I I I genuinely I'm I'm struggling to pick think of the quote here. I want to say served, but I feel like that's probably from something else. Would Would you like a clue? I can't. Yeah, go on. Give me a clue. Okay, so these questions come from James Swift and James Courtney. The answer to the first question was Courtney. Yeah. What do you think the answer to the second question might uh, be? <laughs> oh, is it swift? Justice is swift. Do you think we found the pot, the, you know, the little pattern here? It's possible. It's possible. Okay. So, David, question three. Yeah. What is the name of the first episode to feature Nicholas Courtney? <laughs> <laughs> um oh the very first one it's the web of fear isn't it according to the question I've got in front wrong. of me David it's the Daleks master plan is it right okay. I've never I've never experienced the Daleks master plan I was going to say watched but most of it's uh, missing so there we go yeah right I will, I will defer to their, their better knowledge on that one. Yeah. Okay, David. Within the Doctor Who universe... Yes. What are the two characters played by Rufus Hound? Ah, right. One of them is uh, Sam Swift. Sam the... Swift. Correct. Yes. Uh, the, the highwayman uh, from... What's it called? Woman the the woman who lived. Yeah, um, and the other character, I believe, on Big Finish, he plays an incarnation of the monk. He does the meddling monk? Yeah. Okay. Now, the next question, David, yes. is. Actor Clive Swift appeared in which two stories? <laughs> now, in the answers, they've only given me one story. Okay. Well, one of them is uh, Voyage of the Damned. Mm -hmm. The other is one of the Dalek stories where the first word begins with R. And as you recall, Matt, I'm not brilliant at remembering which is which with those. 
Do you, do you want to take a lucky guess? I want guess? to say... I'm going to say... Resurrection of the Daleks? Sorry, did you say... Did you say Revelation of the Daleks? That's the one. Yeah. That's the one. Correct, David. Well done. I definitely meant that. Excellent. Yeah. I don't know that Resurrection even is one. I can't even remember if that is an actual one or not. They all blur in my brain. But anyway, I knew it was one of those. Okay. Right. Final question, David. Which seventh yes. Doctor story features jazz musician Courtney Pine playing himself? Seventh Doctor story featuring a jazz musician... Courtney Pine. Oh. Well, I don't. I've never heard of. I don't know Courtney Pine particularly. Um, it's not a, not a name that I'm overly familiar with. There's there's the character in the Happiness Patrol who, he's more of a blues harmonica player. Um. See, that's who I thought it was. It was. Oh, I've got yes. No, I, 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 I remember. I remember now. I can think of exactly a, a cameo uh, of with a jazz music, uh, a jazz group. It's the Silver Nemesis. It is David. Well done. Hey, so yeah. Five I just six. suddenly pictured the scene. I just, yeah, there we go. See, when, when I, I read that, I had a bit of help here and there, but even when it said the answer, the silver nemesis in front of me, I was like, "We've seen that episode. We've seen one with a jazz man." But turns out I'd confused it with <laughs> Happiness Patrol. Yeah. Oh well. With that, David, we're up to five hundred. Quite like you know pounds. what? Go on, sorry. People. I was just going to say, I think generally the consensus is the Silver Nemesis is a bad story. I had quite a good time with it. So, make of that what you will, classic fan listeners. Is it better than Monster of Peladon? No. No, nothing's better than Monster of Peladon. What a story. (laughs) Right, um, we've done that. I'm trying to think where we go next. What's the next thing we need to do? Is it just, let's talk about what we've been up to this week? I I think it is. Um, so before we did that, I kind of wanted to talk a, a little bit about the role fanfic has within Doctor Who. Because I think it's worth acknowledging that Doctor Who is in a, in a as is so often the case, a fairly unique position. Um... It's been running for such a long time. Even within the classic run, you you can at the very least pick out examples of certain writers who essentially are writing uh, licensed fanfic. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm thinking particularly of um, a story like Full Circle, written by oh, what was his name? And I want to say it's like Andrew. Smith, but he might not be Smith. Um, but anyway, um, who was, I think, 17 at the time and had grown up watching Doctor Who. Oh, and managed the to, to do the... <laughs> but yeah, you know, um, imagine that, actually, you know, being a fan growing up and, and, and at that age, getting one of your stories televised. But, you know, that was a Doctor Who story written by a fan that just happened to have the rare distinction of being... Um, yeah, televised. And certainly, all of New Who, you can make an argument, all of New Who is essentially Doctor Who fanfic. Because no one is writing for that show who isn't already a fan of Doctor Who, in one form or another. Um, But, you know, more broadly, the novels they are essentially licensed fan fiction. Big finish. Licensed fan fiction. Actually grew out of um, a group of people, you know, including Nicholas Briggs and Gary Russell and, and, and people like that, just doing unlicensed 
knockoff fanfic Doctor Who audio dramas, which they would, you know, self-publish on cassettes and and uh, and flog at conventions and stuff. You know, um, the Doctor Who, uh, the, the tapestry of Doctor Who is absolutely studded with um, examples of, if you like, uh, completely amateur or or semi-professional, semi-licensed fanfic. You know, it's a grey area, I guess is what I'm saying. It's, you can't with Doctor Who just say, oh, well, fanfic's one thing and the, and the official canon is something else because so often they bleed into each other and one will affect the other. Um, and I think it's really important to acknowledge that. You know, for example, Paul Cornell, um, who wrote... Uh, a lot of the most acclaimed novels of the Virgin New Adventures and actually went on to even write some of the most acclaimed stories of the uh, first RTD era. Uh, he started out as a Doctor Who fanfic writer, you know, writing fanfic that was published in, in zines and things like that. So, yeah, it, it is absolutely sort of baked into the history of the show. And I think it's worth acknowledging that. <clears throat> but I think more broadly, when we look at when we look at the sort of fanfic that that gets self-published online these days, there's a distinction to be made there because obviously with that stuff, that is essentially someone just hammering out something that they're really passionate about and just banging it out on the web and seeing if anybody likes it. And maybe they will, maybe they won't. That's fine. But it's like there's there's no degree of editorialising going on there. Whereas with a fanzine, you would have the one or two people who took it upon themselves to organise it and would decide ultimately what gets published, what doesn't, maybe even suggest edits for things. You know, there was... But that doesn't kind of happen in the online contemporary fanfic ecosystem to the same extent. The majority of it is just somebody writes something they click post and then it's there. Um, and that so truly as a result, is the worst thing that ever happened on yeah. the internet. <laughs> this is, this is a what Tim Berners Lee wanted, David. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, um, I, I've been poking around on fanfic.net that's been my resource for this uh investigation if you like into the world of doctor who fan fiction and before we get into it anymore matt i wanted to quit uh do a little test for you in the tv category of fanfiction.net how high in the rankings do you think Doctor Who is in terms of overall number of oh, submissions? Number one. Easily. Number one. It's actually number three. There are two TV shows with higher amounts of fan fiction Coronation submitted for them. So I wonder, Matt, can. <laughs> Go on, have some serious guesses. Uh, can you think it, what, what might be? I assume it'll probably it. be sci fi genre. Game of Thrones might be up there. Um, mm. I don't know, something like the MCU. I'm thinking big blockbuster. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, like, for example, Glee? Could it be up there. Glee is number two, Matt. It's number one, Good Night Sweetheart. <laughs> oh, to live in the universe where that was true. Number one is Supernatural. Oh, I should have guessed that. Over... Yeah, 126,000 submissions. Oh, that... David, that's like... Doctor Who is languishing... That's ten times the population of the town I live in. Yeah, Doctor Who languishing on a mere 76.4k by comparison. Where are um, all these people? Yeah, but uh, I mean... When, when are we going to instigate the purge? 
<laughs> and I will say as well, Matt, it's not just it's not just the individual submissions. When you go on some of them, I, I sort of um there's a very powerful search system on fanfic.net, which I had to make extensive use of to find anything that I could actually tolerate to read start to finish. Um, but a, a lot of them are, we're talking epic novel length, like 36 chapters, hundreds of thousands of words. And you realize people really dedicate their lives to this. Um, it's it's an impressive endeavor in that respect um but as i say when you when you just well, the first thing i did was of course sort it sort it by um number of favorites because i thought well you know that will give me an example of at least what's you know what is popular what's near the top um and it is all ten and rows <laughs> It is all, as I say, novel length, ten and rows fanfic. Well, you've got a gap in the market there, haven't you? Supply and demand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just goes to show what an impact that particular era of the show had on, on a certain generation. Um, makes you wonder, can, can lightning strike twice there? Is that something that RTD would be able to, to replicate with Shooty and whoever whoever he gets in as, as the companion for that era. If anyone can, I think it, RTD is the one to do it. But, so how, um, how many, how many anyway, stories have you read, David? Um, I've, I've read start to finish four pieces okay. on fanfic.net. I tried several others and noped out a lot of them after a couple of paragraphs. <laughs> I was just like, you know what? No, not reading that. That does not work for me. So of the four that I read start to finish, I enjoyed three of okay. them. And particularly what I, f what I found was when I was using the filter search system, um, the first thing I would do is filter out Rose as a character, because that's an option. <laughs> you can choose particular characters that you do not want to feature. So I made sure to do that because I was just like, I get what those writers are going for. It's not for me. Um, and, and I experimented with trying to find some of the, the, the less popular doctors, like like Six and and, uh, and and the first doctor and stuff like that to see what kind of what came up around that. And I found as well, because I, I, I also decided to restrict it to shorter stuff because I wanted to sample a few different writers. But, you know... I didn't have time to be reading 20 novel length entries uh, on fanfic.net. So I ended up finding some like genuinely funny little vignettes, um, which were, were quite good. Um, one about um, the sick doctor just trying to wash his coat. Um, and one where it's an unnamed incarnation of the doctor is just being made Lord President for the third time and a couple of Time Lords are sort of talking about what their money's on in terms of how he weasels out of it this time. Um, and I thought in some ways perhaps the most fun, the most interesting one, was someone basically wrote a sort of fantasy extended version of the climactic scene in... Uh, Day of the Doctor. It's a piece called Gallifrey Stands, where basically you know the bit where all the doctors are coming in and adding yeah. their calculations. It just kind of fleshes that out, so you get more of a character moment for each incarnation of the Doctor. Yeah, because I, I um, randomly that scene flashed up on my YouTube algorithm this week. No, in fact, it was when I watched that Clever Dick Films like video essay on Matt Smith. Right. Okay. That whole scene was there because you just kind of yeah. see the doctors as bubbles on screens, don't you? And then you get a flash of Capaldi. And yeah, that's yeah. Yes, yeah. It's very quick cuts. It's already done with the editing, and, and it, you know it makes sense. It's it, it it works within the context of the thing. But you know, one of the nice things that you can do with fan fiction is you can choose to expand upon or to take another route 
with something uh, than than what the, the show itself actually did. Um, I'll tell you the one that really didn't work for me was an attempt at a humorous piece um, where you had a meeting between the quote-unquote grumpier doctors. So you had one and 12 and six and nine showing up in it, I believe in that order. But, and I can see what they were going for, but unfortunately, in their attempts to have a comedic argument, I didn't really feel like the writer actually captured the the voices of the doctors particularly well. You know, you had one in 12 saying things that really I, I didn't think worked as as dialogue for those incarnations, uh, which kind of very much took me out of it. Um, and I think it was a good example of how, you know, if you don't have an editor, if you don't have anyone to, to kind of say to you, maybe rethink that line, it's just going to it's just going to end up out there, you know, um, and I think that's both the, the, the blessing and the curse of fanfic, really, or one of them. Um, uh, what's most interesting about it, because, of course, this was written three years before Twice Upon a Time, but it very much anticipates in some ways elements of Twice Upon a Time in that the majority of the 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 piece is a meeting between the 12th Doctor and the 1st Doctor. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and it also has a line which was very amusingly ironic with the benefit of hindsight. I'm just trying to find it now. I, I, I've had to reload the page. Uh, let me see if I can just search on the, on the page. Finding page. Sorry, yeah, I have to edit this slightly. Right. Okay. So the the line is uh. Tw the twelfth doctor saying to the first doctor, "At least I didn't drop dead and regenerate after battling a few measly Cybermen," <laughs> <laughs> which is, of course, exactly how twelve ultimately goes out. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, I guess in conclusion, what I would say is, I had an interesting time poking around on fanfic.net I did manage to find a few short pieces that were closer to my cup of tea but when I think long term about my relationship with the show I feel like it, I just don't need it I think for a lot of people if you are very invested in particular characters, in particular eras of the show, um, if you feel like mistakes were ne were made that need to be unmade, or, as is often the case, you're someone for whom you get a big kick out of writing or reading wish fulfillment type stories where you have a writer who has basically inserted themselves into the universe of this show that they love so much. Mm. I think there's a lot of validity to that, but it's not something that I personally need. What I am interested in with Doctor Who is the endless storytelling potential and also the production side of it as well, the history of it, I find fascinating. And fanfic isn't really a venue for exploring that in the same way. So, like I say, I get it, but my experiences over this week have not made me a convert, per se. No. Well, in, um, in absolute what, protest, what about you, David, um, I knew that I was just not going to bother. Like, uh, I have zero interest in it. Like, uh, like I say, right. just it, I'll be kind and just say it's not for me. Uh, so, in protest, David, yeah. I listened to two Big Finish audio dramas and read three official Doctor Who books. <laughs> Which, you know, as I say, it's lighter's material, but beyond that, what's separating yeah, it from actual it, fanfic? But it's proper, isn't it? It's for grown-ups. 
so I <laughs> believe me, a lot of fanfics, quote unquote, for grown ups. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it, it's just, it, I don't know, it's just sensible. Um, so yeah. I listened to anyway, the other two yeah. Tenth Doctor and River Song audios. Mm. And yeah, for please be light on spoilers, Matt, because I have not listened to them yet. Right, for my money, the third one's the best one. I'll be interested to see if you think the same. Cool, I'll try and fit them in this week. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I think the second one ranked lowest, then expiry dating, and then the third one, which is called Ghosts, I really really liked. I thought that was the best one by quite some distance. I'll be honest, I've noticed a pattern with um, most recent um, Big Finish box sets where they tend to do three episodes uh, that you'll usually have strong opening, weak one in the middle, very strong finish. Really? That tends to be their, their pattern, yeah. Uh, well, once I'd done that, David, uh, I yeah. had purchased Doctor Who. The Thirteenth Doctor, A New Beginning, which collects Doctor Who right. comics, The Thirteenth Doctor, issue one to four. Oh, nice. I think I got that on digital somewhere, but I've not read it yet. Are those the ones written by Jodie Hauser? Uh, Jodie Hauser, Rachel Scott, Georgius Basito, and Erica Erin Anglilini. However you say her name. Uh, yeah. Of the three books I read, I was surprised that this was the weakest. Like, I don't really? think it's any secret. Comics, a genre, you know, a medium I really like. Um, I don't know if it's just because it mm -hmm. was the introduction one. So it's the Doctor, she's got Yaz, Graham and Ryan with her. And basically, they, they basically fight Smaug out the Hobbit. Right, okay. Um, yeah, and then there's some people there that have got vortex manipulators and they're being hired by this creature to go steal treasure for it and it lives in a big layer with loads of gold. Um, but it turns out the Doctor's not very happy that this creature has trapped these people in service so she goes and emancipates them mm -hmm. and then she sticks... A broken vortex manipulator on the body, so he just gets trapped in a time loop forever. Yeah. The end. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it doesn't sound terrible as a story. I guess it's it's all about the execution. Um, I've read some other comics that Josie Hauser has written, and I have enjoyed them. So, um, surprised that that you didn't get on better with that. But uh, you know, hey ho. One thing uh, I what will else say, did you read, Matt? the artwork in that book is yeah. absolutely stellar. You know. Yes, Rachel, is it, is it Rachel Scott? Rachel Scott with Georgia Esposito and Valerie yeah. Favocci. Yeah. But yeah. She, she is a phenomenal artist. Yeah. The, the graphic work throughout is absolutely brilliant. Hmm. Now, when I bought that, David, yeah. I bought that from Waterstones Bookshop in York. Because I was like, I'll, I'll just pick up right. a Doctor Who comic. I wasn't looking for that one in particular. But next to it, mm -hmm. I don't know, have you ever heard of Quick Reads? Uh, no. So I'm, I'm guessing it's some sort of like project where like short stories are released in books and this one cost me £1.99 so it's like a thin uh, okay. I, I'm assuming it's aimed at children but I'm very very confident when I say that because uh, mm -hmm. the next book I read today mm -hmm. is called Magic of the Angels by Jacqueline Rayner ah Jackie Rayner yes who has written a lot of Doctor Who stuff over the years would you like me to read you the blurb for this book? Yeah, go on. The Doctor, Amy and Rory round off a sightseeing tour around London with a trip to the theatre. And that's when things start to go wrong. 
The doctor wonders why so many young girls are going missing from the area. When he sees Sammy Starr's amazing magic act, he thinks he knows the answer. Sammy's glamorous assistant disappears at the climax of the act, but this is no stage trick. The Doctor and his friends team up with the residents of an old people's home to discover the truth, and together they find themselves face to face with the deadly weeping angel. Now, David, based on what I've read you there, I assume you can guess the entire plot of this book. Uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> right, so there's a, there's a guy called... Sounds Sa- good, though. A guy called Sammy Starr, who does... He's like a stage mm. magician. The climax of his trick, it's like a Halloween-themed trick, uh, and it results in one of the girls yep. disappearing. Um, obviously, we know that was what happens when the weeping angel comes. So it turns out he does a big flash, and it blinds everyone, so no one's looking at the angel, and the angel can make people disappear. Okay? Mm. Now, obviously... It said there that the doctor and his friends team up with the residents of an old people's home. Turns out all the old women are the pe- the girls that have been sent back in time. So they're like right. closing their yeah, loop makes sense. there. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah, basically at the end, the doctor sorts it all out. But how, how did a stage magician befriend a weeping angel? <laughs> it's a very valid question. This is like the end of bloody class That's, when it turned that, out, I don't know, the Weeping Angel was the Prime Minister or something. <laughs> yeah, um, I guess that goes unanswered then. Yeah. However, I will say, so I bought this book on Saturday morning and I went for a yeah. coffee and I was like, I'm just going to get coffee and read this. But when I was in the coffee shop, it was too loud for me. They were playing uh, Money for Nothing by Dire Straits, and I kept getting distracted. So I actually went right. to York City Library and went and sat in the quiet library and read it in one sitting. Um, so oh, what I would awesome. say, above all else, support your local libraries. Yeah, good places. Good places. Yeah. I had an absolute um, hoot in mine this weekend. Mm-hmm. Nice little Fantastic. coffee shop as well. Um, right, but here's the main event, David. <laughs> yes. Because the main book I have spent my time reading this week is yeah. At Childhood's End by Sof- Sophie Aldred. Right. So, yeah. prior Which to... Is, I, I, I... Go on, sorry. Yeah. I was just going to say... I have a Kindle copy of that book uh, languishing on my Kindle, sadly unread. I picked it up like two years ago for a quid when it was on a sale, and I still haven't gotten around to reading it. Right. Well, prior to The Power of the Doctor, I think this was the in-canon first meeting of Ace and the 13th Doctor. Yes. Now... Yeah, the, it's it's now language, languishing as a kind of um, parallel universe story, isn't it? Yeah, but what I would recommend, if you've got a copy of this, David, mm. and, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's obviously not worth your time now that you, you know what happens to, the, to Ace and the Doctor on the show. But every so often, yeah. so that it's split up into three acts, but there are interludes where the story jumps back to 1990 and it gives you the falling mm-hmm. out between Ace and the Doctor. So, oh, does it? So it, across kind of three scenes, sort of early on in the book, halfway and then towards the end, it explains what happened and how they went their separate ways. Oh. Um, and yeah, I, I quite liked that bit because, you know, and I think it still works having seen Power of the Doctor. You know, it, it's not like, oh, Doctor, yeah. you turned me into a rabbit and now I'm doomed forever. You know, it just <laughs> shows you how 
the doctor is trying to do one thing and he interprets it one way, Ace interprets it another, they totally disagree on that interpretation and as a result go their separate ways. Yeah. Nice. But, so so are you saying that, that, that there's a way to headcanon this book into the wider yeah, continuity if yeah, you would like so, to do so? Um, I've got it in front of me here. Hold on a second. So there is... Yeah, so the book's split into three parts uh, and each one ends with an interlude. So the first one's in 1990. 1990. Yeah. Yeah, so it flashes back. It shows you what's happening. So... Those bits are worth a read, if nothing else. Right, okay. Um, what about the main story? Yeah, it's pretty good. There's there's a few bits that are a bit weird, but I didn't know whether that had happened to Ace in the wider, you know, canon of mm. books and what have you. Like, she's got a little pet that's a guinea pig, but also... In fact, it's like that energy jellyfish thing from Power of the Doctor. It can just jump into machines and right. take control of them and, you know, does whatever she says. Um, but, yeah. That's a choice? Yeah, it, it's pretty good. So, um, yeah, I think a lot of people seemed to enjoy it at the time when it came out. Um but yeah, so your overall experience then, you, I feel like you've experienced enough additional material to make a judgment on what how would you rank the various different mediums for specifically telling doctor who stories so i'm assuming tv's at the top what would come next i i, I don't know because i don't know because I've, I've read good books and i've read bad books and i would have thought Comics would probably be up there for me, and maybe I just picked one that wasn't, you know, top draw. But, um, mm. yeah, the novel was good. The novel was good, although um, I did actually send a screenshot of it to you. Uh, yet again, when talking to Ace, the Doctor refuses to say wicked. This time she says fantastic. Yes. You know. But oh, doesn't she say brilliant? Oh yeah, sorry. We're because older that's and wiser, course, and then the, doctor the doctor's says, first words. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but no. Yeah. Weirdly, the one I probably enjoyed most was Magic of the Angels, but that's like a children's book. It was just. <laughs> it was just snappy enough that I sat down, probably mm. blitzed it in an hour. Um, but. You know, yeah. it, it, it's not entirely for children. Like, one of the girls tells a story about how her dad used to hit her and stuff. So it's not, like, devoid of mature story. Um, yeah. I think it, it's... I mean, at the end of the day, that's, 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 to me, the sweet spot for Doctor Who is something that is not... that doesn't go beyond what you'd be comfortable showing you know, a young child, you know, someone aged about sort of, I don't know, say maybe six and up. Mm -hmm. um, but by the same token, has more depth than something aimed strictly at a child audience. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that Doctor Who is particularly good at doing, the balancing the sort of fun and joy of childhood with some of the deeper truths of the universe? Like, um, one thing, one note I made, when I read At Childhood Ends, um, it's very clear that Sophie Aldred is environmentally conscious because one of the chapters starts yeah. with about eight paragraphs about how Ace drives an electric guitar, uh, an electric car, sorry, and it's <laughs> better for the environment. <laughs> <laughs> but it goes into loads of detail because it's like, oh, it doesn't lose any performance of yeah. your traditional petrol or diesel engine. If anything, it's quieter and more suitable drive. And of course, the emissions are so low. So you're actually probably going to pay less road tax. 
and it just goes on and on. Do you think? <laughs> did they? Did they like pay her in Teslas or something? Yeah, but at that point in the story, Ace is on her way to Leicester to go on a rocket to the moon. So like the story really crescendos. <laughs> And then it's just like, well, sitting in traffic's yeah. an absolute pleasure when you drive your electric motor vehicle. <laughs> yeah, like, you can tell she's oh, uh, great. she's very aware of that. Ah, excellent. Um, yeah, I don't know. Because I, I still struggle with Doctor Who in prose. Mm-hmm. I feel like you lose a lot of what I personally love about Doctor Who when you when you stick it in prose and I know for a lot a lot of people do not have this experience you've got the generation for whom target novels were their repeats you've got um, the kids who grew up in the RTD and Moffat years and and the tie-in novels were kind of the first books that they ever really got into reading and was one of the things that sparked their interest in independent reading and stuff like that. I just don't have that experience with it. Mm. So for me, when I want Doctor Who, ideally, I want it on the telly. If I can't have it on the telly, I'll have an audio drama, please. (laughs) And if I can't have that, then you might as well give me a comic and then at least I've got some visuals to latch onto and they're unrestricted by TV budgets and you can do some really wild, fantastical planets that we would never hope to see on TV. And so for me, prose kind of ranks, you know, dead last... Yeah, um, I, I would say, though, reading the books, um, one thing that annoyed me when I was reading the comic was yeah. that some of the characterization felt a bit off. So there's loads of times where mm. uh, Graham's talking to the Doctor, and he's like, oh, what are you looking over there, Doctor? And I'm like, he never calls her Doctor. He always calls her Doc. And I don't think once in that comic he calls yeah. her Doc. And it just felt a bit off. I, I, I think, I think if I remember correctly, they came out very quickly. Sort of, I think they were being written kind of concurrently with the first series being broadcast. They kind of basically wanted it to be ready to capitalize on Jodie Whittaker's first series. So I think Jodie Hauser was perhaps. I don't know if she'd even had the opportunity to watch the entire series before starting to write those comics, you know. Um, and I think that's that's a bit of a you know a bit of a drawback of needing tie-in media kind of ready to go from the off. We kind of got that a bit at the moment as well. Where, where um, interestingly, in D- the other the other bit of Doctor Who expanded universe stuff that I did uh, consume this week was the first instalment of the new DWM comic. Okay. Because uh, as you know, DWM they 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 run a they run a short comic, pretty much every issue, um, and they are kicking off with this month with a story featuring the Fourteenth Doctor, aka tenant mark two okay it picks up it picks up the the second after power of the doctor finishes and we're launched straight into a new adventure with this doctor and rtd very much was very keen to make this happen it was his kind of decision that that is something that that should be done um so interestingly, our first major glimpse of the characterization of this doctor is going to come in the form of the DWM comic over the next twelve months. Now, can I can I just pick up um, on something you yeah. you said a couple of moments ago? Now you said yes, of course that if you were unable to consume Doctor Who visually as a TV show, you would prefer audio over other media. Yeah. Um, Yeah. All I'm saying, David, is currently on Big Finish, the class box sets are all half price. (laughs) Oh, 
How are they? Yeah. <laughs> oh, what a bargain. Just nine ninety nine for class yeah. volume one. Oh, it seems to go up for the later ones, mm-hmm. but well, they were out more recently, were I suppose, but uh, yeah, tenner for for the first class box set. That's yeah. a steal, isn't it? Yeah, I might get that. I'll get right onto that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm excited. And once you do, oh, dear. I've got access to your account, and I'll be giving them a listen. <laughs> if if you notice nine ninety nine missing from your bank account, David. Uh, Let's not ask questions. <laughs> That's why. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, well, anyway, there we go. That I think that probably does it for fanfic. Um, I hope I hope Ariel that was of of some interest to you. <laughs> yeah. And and to our other listeners as well, of course. Um, but like I say, it's an it's an interesting field. Where do you draw the line with Doctor Who on what does and doesn't constitute fan fiction? Uh, usually where the quality lies. You know, yeah, but like the very fact that, that one of the things you read was a book written by a former companion about that character, just inserting that old character back into the current era of the show. You know, just Sophie Aldred's uh, bid to maintain relevancy. Hey, hey. In, in, in a show that she technically... There's, yeah. there's few people I would not, have a bad this word is not said about and Aldred's one of them alright she's very yeah, you know, very I, environmentally I... minded David okay <laughs> I will say as well actually she narrates a um, she narrates a um, audio book that we've got for Little Zorbs um, it's a it's a ladybird ladybird audio adventure um thing and basically it's sort of Doctor Who in a way in that you've got this sort of scientist who invents this machine and they they um, explore a different topic and so it's basically like a, 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 just this big dump of facts with um, a vague thread of story interspersed into it and uh, he's got a few of them and one of them is uh about uh, sea creatures and exploring the oceans. And boy, oh boy, does it have a massive tangent about 20 minutes in about how awful it is that we dump plastic in the sea. I'm telling you, it's got all its fingerprints so, all over it. I'm very... I'm, yeah, I was going to say, I'm very used to Sophie Aldred lecturing me about environmental issues as a result of that uh, audiobook. So... Yeah. Um, there you go. Right. Well, um, what time? So ne- next week, Matt. Hello. Yeah. What's next week? You still there? Yeah, sorry. I was just installing Return to Monkey Island on my PC. I'm going to sit and play that once we're finished. <laughs> uh, enjoy. Enjoy. Um, hang on. I'm just trying to find the, the spreadsheet now because I think... Sorry, Matt. You're going to have to edit around this. I want to make sure I get this right. Um, Sorry, my phone's taking ages. Right, I need to switch to the pod account. And then open this. And then I think it's on here. No, it's not that one. Here we are. Here's Snipix. Okay. So we have one more uh, listener pick to go now. And it's it's from Jessica Wubble. Oh, the inaugural member of the Marty McLean Hall of Fame. And she suggested for us uh, Doctor Who parodies. So what I'm going to do, Matt, is pull together a list of... I, I'm going to try and find one Doctor Who parody for each decade of the show's existence. Okay. And we can have a look at how... how Doctor Who has been portrayed in other popular culture uh, over over the years. 
And I think that could be a very interesting discussion. So I very much look forward to that. But, Matt, until then, as always, thank you ever so much for listening. And until next time, cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.